0: Welcome to The Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey Hillier, and I am so excited that you've decided to join me and some of my friends from all walks of life as we chat about how The Prophetic is purposed to build both the church and to break outside of her four walls into your world. We'll chat to prophetically-minded people who are positioned in the marketplace, education, science and medicine, arts and entertainment, government, family, and the church, all with the intention of equipping you to prophetically build and lead in the places and spaces that God has placed you. So let's get to it. Today, we begin a new four-week focus on the podcast where we talk all things prophetic worship, starting with prophetic worship leading, before we move to prophetic musicianship, production, and art. You will not want to miss a single week, and I believe there will be people you know you need to share it with. We encourage you to do just that. Not only will it be an encouragement to us, but I'm actually praying that it will empower the people in your world to step into the prophetic wherever God has placed them. It's meant to be as natural as breathing to us as believers. And today you are in for such a treat because I am joined by a very special guest and a wonderful friend and really answered a prayer to me, Roma Waterman. Roma needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her a big one anyway, because she's an award-winning, winning, winging, winning, (laughs) winning. (laughs) she'll tell you she's winging it, but she's not, an award-winning singer songwriter, worship leader, training, and author. As an artist, she's released several albums, toured across the globe with recording artists such as Jars of Clay, DC Talk, Michael W. Smith, and many more. She has authored some incredible books that I absolutely loved, some of which we'll talk about today. And she also runs an incredible online school which trains over 35,000 students. It's pretty small. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) From all across the world on art, worship, and the prophetic. More than all of those things, Roma is one of the most down-to-earth, secure, releasing generous people you will ever meet, and I am privileged to call her one of my BFS.
1: Yes, that's my favourite part.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, Roma. Not much to live up to, no pressure.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah. gosh, I hope I remember things today. No, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's such a privilege.
0: Yeah. I always learn every time I talk to you, I want to love Jesus more, and I know that that will be the result of what happens in the people who listen today. So thank you for so. being here. I believe here. that too. Yeah, I, I do. I God will speak. So today we are talking specifically about worship leading which you've got heaps Yay. of experience in worship leading. A remarkable amount of experience for a 21 year I'm old. old. Yeah. No, oh, no, 21. <laughs> <laughs> 21 20 times over that's what that's I right, say. That's right. <laughs> so give us to make everybody not overawed by the stature of who you are. <laughs> Tell us a funny story that could make worship fails
1: if it was captured. Oh, gosh, just one. I, th- I feel like every time <laughs> I get up, I do something that I just go, did I really do that? <laughs> um, I think probably one of the first times I ever led worship, which is probably, a, you know, you have that memory of the very first time. You're yeah. really excited. Now, I remember um, getting up on the platform. I had this beautiful black velvet skirt that mm-hmm. went to the knee. I was doing my sound check. And I fell off the stage, no. and I ripped my skirt in <gasps> two. What? Half an hour before the service started, Ted's mum, who was my husband, my mum, uh, she was the the pastor of the church we grew up in, and she had to staple it with a oh! stapler. <laughs> and then I walked sideways on the stage and walked sideways <laughs> off the whole ah! service. <laughs> You
0: should have just undone the stables and burst into Utah the <laughs> Bell. <laughs> okay, we've I lost it. I thought of that. <laughs> ah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's
1: great. <laughs> It's the best. See, we lose or we are humbled quickly Absolutely. when we lead from platform. Okay. I was like, that was my introduction to worship leading and oh. I've never forgotten it. And so did you ever wear a skirt worship leading no, again? No, it's, it's been pants from there in. Uh,
0: yeah, and I'm i have never realised
1: till now that that's probably why.
0: Uh, and I never even asked, were you injured when you fell off the stage? No, it did
1: hurt at the time but I'm fine now, a hundred years on. Uh-uh. Your ego would have hurt more than your that's body. That's right, that's right. Oh, you know, I was
0: leading worship when I was Overdue pregnant with my second son, yeah. and I was living in Queensland at the time, hot climate. So yes. my feet were huge. Yes, and I was wearing these hot clogs. Remember when clogs yes. were a thing? Yes, they were awesome. And I wasn't <laughs> giving them up. Problem was, my foot swelled so much <laughs> that when I went to do this praise move, my clog— for those who don't know what a clog is—it's like a wooden, bulky shoe. Oh my
1: gosh!
0: Came flying off my foot. <laughs> hit the guitarist straight in the forehead. <laughs> and then the problem was I was so fat and pregnant, I couldn't even bend down and pick it up. <laughs> so I led the rest of the set in one shoe. <laughs> and then at the end, the person who got up after me was like, did anybody else notice that Stacey was only wearing one shoe? So guess what the production team did for the next service? What? They gaff taped my shoes <laughs> on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know, and I'm sure as a prophetic person, to this day, you've gone, what did that mean? Yeah. In the spirit. Oh, he needed a smack in the head, but I didn't intend it to happen that way and it didn't make much of a difference. That's so
0: funny. I love it. All right. Let's flick straight away because okay. this is what we do, the ebb and flow of life. Yes. Can you share a story about one of the most memorable and significant encounters you've had the yeah. privilege of leading in worship? Yes.
1: I love it. Seeing God move. I'm probably like you, you know. I don't want to just have another service where we get through the songs and it's all beautiful and musically incredible i mean of course we want that but yep. if that's all there is i remember this moment in um, new zealand i was at a conference there with some good friends of mine and um, it was uh, there were a lot of maoris present yep. and for the whole of the conference i noticed that they would stand up the back right. and the worship was very rich it was very mm-hmm. beautiful uh, regardless of that we saw lots of healings i physically heard angels singing wow. in the service i remember a lady coming up and saying she'd had a tumor on her tongue Uh, before she'd walked into the service and it had disappeared during the worship, stuff like that. But the actual amazing moment of that day, of that day of worship, because it was a day conference, was uh, halfway through leading worship. So I was singing the first song. And this is probably uh, an example of trying to be led by the Holy Spirit when we talk about prophetic worship. And I kept feeling like the Lord was saying – why are the, why are the Maoris up the back? Why are the people Mm -hmm. of the land standing up the back? Mm. And, you know, I'm really nervous. I'm like, what am I going to say? I don't know this culture. Am I going to be rude if I bring it up? But I kept feeling this prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so in the end, I just said, the Lord's speaking to me, Maoris, the Lord is saying, it's time for your sound to be released. It's time for you to open your mouth and start to sing out. And I'm just, I'm saying this very humbly, but would you come down the front and would you lead us in worship? Mm. And I'm telling you, they ran. Oh there was about gosh. 30 of them. Wow. And they came down to the front. And I've never experienced anything like it. They started to do, you know, when you see those Maori war. Yeah. They started yeah. to do that in the middle of worship. Wow. And people were weeping. I was weeping in the end yeah. after about 25 minutes. Because mm. this went on for about 25 minutes. Right. They're crying. Because you could just feel, you know what it was? It was just giving giving somebody permission to say that their song mattered and their voice mattered, well, the the heavens opened. I'm telling you, I've never experienced the anointing Mm. like I did in that that moment. And about 25 minutes in, I was standing on the platform going, I don't even need to be up here anymore. So I just went and sat down. Oh, wow. Two and a half hours later... So, there was reconciliation. there was people getting up, and they were um tribes and gangs were reconciling with each other oh, wow. in the service. It was absolutely incredible. And at the end, I remember we all just looked at each other and went, "What just happened?" Hmm. And it was simply because we just decided to be led by the Holy Spirit yep. instead of going, "This is the set, yep. this is how it's got to look." Yep. And uh, that was that's that's something I'll never forget.
0: Yeah, and I love that story because, I think oftentimes, I, I believe actually it's impossible to lead prophetically if you need to be the main thing.
1: Yes, So absolutely. if you had stood
0: there and gone, but I've been brought here yeah. to lead this well, conference. Well, I did think
1: that. It did cross my mind. I'm like, am I going to do the wrong thing by doing yeah. this? So you're right when you say that. And yeah. then you
0: stepped out of the way and let the Holy Spirit have his say. Yeah. I rhymed right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, wonderful. you know, you, you didn't need to box God into only being able to use you, the guests that had been brought in. That's one of yeah. my favorite things about you, Roma, Thank
1: your humility. You. Thank you.
0: So we are going to talk about a topic we already are, that yeah. is a passion for both of us. And actually one of the reasons I think God brought you and I together Yeah. is to partner and to collaborate in raising up a new generation Amen. of prophetic worship leaders. Yes. And you've already been doing, you are a pioneer in the prophetic worship space. And I get to walk into many things you've made normal. And I'm so grateful for that. So before we get into the main content or meat for today, how would you describe, Roma, the difference between leading worship and leading worship prophetically?
1: It's a great question. Um, And I think we make it complicated. Yep. But really, if I think of it in its simplest form, leading worship is leading. Leading worship prophetically is being led.
0: Oh, that's so good.
1: So, you know, it's easy for us for whatever reasons. You know, a lot of times we lead... Worship Mm -hmm. because we want to make sure the pastor's happy. We don't know what to do to go off our map. You know, we don't have the skills. Mm -hmm. Uh, We might be in churches that maybe don't allow that freedom of the Holy Spirit like we do here at our church. But to be led prophetically really just simply means we're the ones being led. We're Mm -hmm. not leading it at all. We're just the conduit, we're the facilitator. And we're just saying the whole time okay, Lord, I've prepared mm-hmm. because that's important. Yeah. It is, it, you know, I think we have this mentality that prophetic means spontaneous, yeah. which it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then just going off the map if we need to, if God says, I know this is where you thought we were going, but we're not going there now. Yep. We're actually going to go here. Mm-hmm. W- will we take those risks? Would we be willing to make a fool of ourselves even yeah. sometimes yep. to actually do that? That's what I think leading worship prophetically means.
0: It, it is, and it requires actually steps of faith. And putting our confidence in the Lord and not in, in ourselves. Amen. And when we worship lead prophetically, it actually means we, have, we do need to have a certain level of skill.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: So when we worship lead prophetically, it actually means we have to have a certain level of skill. Yes. And to be confident and bold in not just bringing a song someone else has written, but also in bringing the new song. And this yes. is right throughout scripture. Psalm ninety-six one says, Oh sing to the Lord a new song; sing to the Lord all the earth." Mm. This is right throughout Psalms. You can read this in Psalm forty verse three, thirty-three verse three, ninety-eight verse one. And then, if you need something from the New Testament, because some people do, <laughs> Ephesians five nineteen talks about bringing new songs. So we see that singing a new song, not just the song that someone else wrote, yes. although that can be prophetic as well. To yes. know what song to go to when. Yes. This is a thing in the Bible. And in your book, Releasing Heaven's Song, I love this that you say, Rami. Right? You say, Releasing Heaven's Song is vital to the growth of the church, revival, and awakening. Amen. So can you talk for a moment about why is releasing the new song or Heaven's Song mm so vital to the growth of the church and to revival? Maybe start by defining for us what is Heaven's Song?
1: Yeah, I love that you've asked that question. So when I was doing a study for that book, I went and looked up that word new, sing to the Lord a new song, because we say it like it just rolls off the tongue, don't we, if you're Mm -hmm. a worshiper? And what I discovered actually amazed me. So it's um, from a Hebrew word, chadash, and it means something new. That's the first thing it means, right? (laughs) But it actually means something else. It means something restored or repaired, and then if you actually go to the root word of Chidash, it's a word called P-L, P-I-E-L. And that word is a word that is specifically used when you're talking about the restoration of cities and towns. Wow. So if we think of this scripture then with that in context, sing to the Lord a new song. What we're actually saying is sing a song that brings restoration and repair to cities and towns, and it also says to yourself as well. That is incredible that a sound and a song, firstly, new doesn't mean, oh, that's something just, oh, I'd never heard that before, which Mm -hmm. is what we can think it means, but it also means a song that's restoring people's hearts. It's restoring the sound. It's restoring the landscape of a city Um, And it also helps us understand, and I think this is a mistake we make as creatives, we think our gift is about ourselves, but it's not. It is connected to our city. Mm -hmm. And so when we actually have that revelation of when we sing this new song, God's it's not a a request, it's a command. Mm -hmm. When you read that scripture, it's sing to the Lord a new song. Only if you're a singer? No, it doesn't say that. Or only if you're in the worship team? No, it doesn't say that. (laughs) It says, sing a song. It's a command because God understood and God understands that it actually does something to what is happening around us. It's not even about us at all. So good. That's why we have to do it. So I love that word now.
0: You know what's brilliant about that? Because it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 14.3, mm. which gives us the three purposes of prophecy. Yes. And the first one of those is upbuilding in the ESV, mm. which is from the word oikodome, which yeah. means to literally frame something up, like you're building a house. Mm, so you're wow. talking about restoring a city yes. through bringing a new song, which which fulfills one of the purposes of prophecy, to rebuild yes. and to build yes, people's lives. Yes, that's great.
1: So good. A great connection. And I think we, you know, sometimes I feel like if we really had a revelation of how impacting that sound is, yeah we would not just have our Sunday services. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so we do get into that routine. Doesn't matter how spiritual or prophetic yeah. we are, we all do it. Yeah. We just get um you know COVID, as frustrating as it was, was the best disruptor of all our plans Mm. because it's made us rethink what church is supposed to look like. And I just, I, I desire it so much to see worship leaders understand the power of releasing this sound. What it can do is bigger than we think.
0: Yeah, and they're not just words you say. Your life testifies
1: to Amen. that. Amen, yes.
0: What would you say to the worship leader who's listening today who wants to
1: release Heaven's Song but doesn't know where to start? Mm, I like that question. Um, I've got three things, three suggestions. One is it really starts at home. Yep, good. You know, I think we mm-hmm. think that the prophetic means it has to happen in the moment on the platform in a service, but actually that's spontaneity. Yep, They're not always the same thing. Yep. And that's why I think it says in Ephesians 19, like you men- mentioned, be filled with the Spirit, speaking for yourself yep. in what? Psalms, yep. hymns, spiritual songs. Yeah. So you've got your psalms, you've got your songs, yep. you've got your hymns. They might be the songs from the ages. Yep. Spiritual songs probably encompasses that prophetic and that spontaneous yes. yep. moment. Well, all of that to me starts at home. Hmm. and And when we do that, I think we we've not we've underestimated practicing being spontaneous Yes. At home. Yep.
0: Like breathe. you can
1: actually practice it. When I was learning to sing, when I was 17, 17-year-old 17 girl, I got asked to sing in this jazz band mm. in pubs <laughs> and I was so nervous because all the guys were in their 30s. They were these amazing jazz players and here was this little 17-year-old that was going to be singing in these these bars. You know, I'd never <laughs> walked into a bar in my life before mm. this case. And I remember them saying, okay, in this section of the song here, we're going to scat. And you just scat and then we'll just come back in. And I totally freaked out. Firstly, I didn't know what scatting was. That was the first thing. <laughs> then when they finally explained it to me, I remember saying to them, okay, so when do I know when to stop? And they laughed and they went, Roma, you'll just know. <laughs> well, that I'm like, no, I need a system. I need it to all work out. And I remember the first few times it was clunky. But as I practiced being spontaneous, which yeah, is really mm. what scatting is, yep. I got better at it. I knew when to end. I knew when yep. to start. I knew what to say. And I think that the only way you do that is you have to do it in the quietness yes. of your space at home. Yep. So practicing the prophetic at home is really important. I would say um, a simple way to release the prophetic is just using the psalms. So don't think Good that one. you have to go, I've got to make this up as I go. Yeah. Start with one psalm and it doesn't, don't make it the longest psalm in the Bible, just mm-hmm. pick three verses. Yep. And what does it sound like when you release a song to that? Mm-hmm. And as you're singing those psalms, what comes to mind mm-hmm. as you're singing them? Because that can often be a spirit yep. going, this is an image I'm bringing up in your mind. Can you sing into that image? What is the Lord asking you to pray? Can you pray Pray. um, in song? So that's something else I'd probably suggest. And then finally, um, I would say on a practical level on the platform, I think it's really important to make time. Mm -hmm. Don't fill up the whole set. So if you have, for example, 20 minutes Don't pick four songs, maybe pick three, Yep. because then you have to go to those places. So So I think we need those prompts when we're starting out. Um, You know, like yourself, you've done this a long time. You could have six songs in there and you'll Mm -hmm. know to only do three because you know what to do. But if we have six songs and we're just starting out, you're going to try and ram through them. So then do less than what you need. And you'll be surprised because just creating that space creates a place for the Lord to move and for the spirit to move in the worship, which is really fun.
0: That is so good. And he does grow you into these yes. spaces because in the last couple of years here at NUMA, we've gone from doing four songs in 17 minutes mm. to four songs in 30. Wow. Wow. So when we wow. got our time extended from 17 to 30, everyone was like, cool, we can add more songs. I was like, no. That's so great. We're going to stay the same number of songs. That's so great. And we're going to start to experiment in this space. And the yeah. team has grown there, as you know, to a place where we're still developing and we're still maturing in that. But now um, spontaneous, free, prophetic worship more the spontaneous and the free yes. it's very normal to us yes, as a church it now it's like it's always been that way yeah, it's so it feels wonderful. like coming home
1: oh, that's exactly the way i would describe it yeah. that's so true
0: and that scripture you referred to or we referred to where it's um hymns psalms hymns and spiritual songs that's significant to us because that spiritual songs is if you put it in the right form, pneumatic songs, pneumo songs, oh, wow. songs of the spirit, song, Come on. songs where you catch the wind, yes. you set your sails to the wind and you sing off the Beautiful. page what you can hear him saying. And it can be pro- exactly as you've said, yes. prophetic to bring a psalm. It can be prophetic to bring a hymn. Yes. Or it can be prophetic to sing off the page. Yes,
1: absolutely. Oh. Amen. I love it. Oh, here
0: we go. <laughs> so um, something we talk about here in our worship team at Numa is learning how to co-labor with the Holy Spirit rather than push and pull against how he's moving yes. by matching how or what he's doing with what we're singing and playing. And you've spoken about this in terms of even what does this um, sound like in its theme? Yes. Um, you're a pioneer, in this space, Roma. Were you always good at this or how did you step into it and how have you grown in this oh, space? Wow.
1: Um, you know, I almost feel like I fell into it. Right. I remember when I first started leading worship, mm-hmm. we had a prophet come to our church <laughs> His name was Greg Burson. I don't know if you've ever heard of him Mm -hmm. from New Zealand. And he called me out. I'll never forget. It was a very impacting time. He started to prophesy and he started to say, you're a prophet. It's in your generations. And I must have been maybe 22 when he said that. And I remember going, I don't even know what a prophet is. What's a prophet? Yeah, Um, He's got it wrong, you know. And not not understanding that my whole life was prophetic. I've dreamed my whole life. I've dreamed songs Mm -hmm. in the night, you know. But I didn't recognize that and I wasn't. I wasn't really in an environment mm-hmm. where people understood it. So yeah. I kind of fumbled along and then uh, I've, I've told you this story privately, but we had someone called Graeme Cook come <laughs> to our church. And uh, I still remember the first time he came, He, uh, our pastor handed him a run sheet. We'd never met him before, so he handed him a run sheet. I'd just taken the role as worship pastor yeah. at our church and I still remember our pastor going, here's the run sheet. And this guy who nobody knew, including the pastor, yeah ripped it up, put it in his pocket, (laughs) tapped him on the pocket and said, we won't be needing that today. And I remember three and a half hours later, everyone on the floor and him Mm. just prophesying life. And that day he actually said, he said the same things. You're called to be a prophet. You're called to go into the throne room. And so then the next time he came back, I'm trying to make this the short version. He he emailed our pastor and said, on the Friday night of this conference, I want Roma and I to tag team. Mm -hmm. Um, She's going to do some prophetic stuff. Well, I had a full on panic attack. And it's the honest truth because I'm like, I'd never seen it before i'd never heard of prophetic worship i didn't know any pro- i mean back then i did know it was a thing you know yeah. and so i'm emailing him like a good worship pastor can you please give me some context tell me what to do no responses at all so we get to the like friday a classic night.
0: prophet i'm, I'm just not good sorry. at email
1: <laughs> oh it was like nothing there was nothing it was just he wrote back oh, i was can't wait that was it right <laughs> so we get to this friday night we have this beautiful time of worship which was fun it was nothing like spectacular mm-hmm. but it was fun you know because yes. i'm also of the belief that you can't actually just live for moments you've got to live the life so, so regardless of whether it's incredible or not you are living the life you're so living good, the runner. prophetic life yep. because all those moments matter even if you don't notice yeah. it in the in the yep. moment and um so we were we were there and he got up to speak and i thought okay, maybe he's changed his mind. I'm about to walk off stage and he's walking on and people are clapping. They're standing to introduce him. And as I'm walking off, he grabs my hand, puts his mic down to his side and he goes, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I just feel like a deer in headlights. I'm like, you're telling me now. <laughs> and he says, I want you to go to the piano, get the sound guy to put a mic on your face. I'm going to release a prophetic word. And every time I feel led by the Lord to stop, I'm going to turn around and look at you and you're going to sing something. And I didn't have any time to complain wow. or go, no, I can't. I just went, okay. I went to the piano. I was actually shaking. Yeah. Like my hands were – like. Yep. I kept thinking, I hope nobody sees my leg because <laughs> I'm putting it on the, the pedal and it's shaking like crazy. And the strangest thing happens. So he starts to speak. And the only way in hindsight now that I look at, at, look at it is – It felt like a new robe or something new just came on me, a new mantle. And as soon as he started to speak, songs just started falling into my head, like songs and lyrics. And I'm like this kid. I'm playing, listening to him, getting these songs going, I can't believe this is happening. This is the coolest thing ever. And just when I'd have a full section of something – He would turn around and look at me and I would sing it out. Was it perfect? No. Was it clunky? Probably, you know. But I remember feeling this ease and this peace and that went on for two and a half hours. Wow. They recorded the whole thing because at the end of the service, I kind of went, I don't know what just happened. And I remember Graham saying to me, like a dad, you know, you did good Roma. And he said, "Um, the reason I didn't tell you is because I knew you'd control the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is true. Oh. And he was, he's was he been over the years after that, he was adamant, stop trying to control your whole life. Just go with the Holy Spirit. But that was really the turning point for me. I just went, this is coming home, like what yes. you said before. I was like, I can't ever do anything else now. This is just... How can I go back?
0: Yes, you were ruined. I was ruined. And <laughs> yeah. so that that was how I
1: got started. So after that, it gave me the confidence to take more risks. Yep. And then it just was natural. I just yep. I felt like, like I said, it was just the time, yep. a moment in time where yep. God went, okay, now's the time. And um, I just love it. I'm so thankful to the Lord for that.
0: Yeah, and thankful to him, actually, that he saw it in you. And this is the stage yes. of ministry I feel like I'm at where I can provide safety on platform Yes. and say to the young ones, all right, so I've gotten us in the entryway, I've got us down the hallway, now the door's open to this room we haven't been in before, Mm. go, do your thing. And literally we'll tap people and say, sing. And you do that so well.
1: You do that so well and... It's so needed. This is the renaissance in worship that is coming. We need people to rise up and be this on whatever instrument they're playing. I mean, we're all worship leaders, aren't we? And um, if we don't have this kind of affirmation that you're giving – We are, um, it's like the arc of his presence is locked up. Yes. That's how I feel. Great description.
0: We had one of our young girls who's actually been mentored by you. She, um, I asked her to sing out recently and she sang this song out. I was actually preaching that night. Wow. Got up and, um. Got the whole church to stand to their feet and give her the biggest cheer, Aww. and her face because she stepped out. She did yeah. it, and that's scary. brave. It is scary. It's and really it's brave. scary. And so, for your family to stand up and go, "You did it! Uh, well done, that's you!" That's beautiful.
1: I know you're so good at that. That space. changes
0: the way she'll come next time. Yes. and this is exactly how family should be.
1: Absolutely, it's it should. It's, it's rare be though. That's why people listening to this podcast need to take note that if you don't see it, you have to be that. You have Good to be moment. that empowerer. Yep. You have to be the person that goes, I'm going to make room, yep. even if I'm the one that's not yeah. standing center stage, yep. you know, and just watch what happens. Yep. It's going to be amazing.
0: Oh, brilliant. And one of the things about the prophetic, we were talking about this the other day, is that every prophetic ministry this side of eternity is seeing in part.
1: Mm. That's right.
0: So you bring your part, I bring mine. Yes. As each person brings their part, we're never going to bring the fullness of Christ in one person. Yes. So we need other prophetic voices, singers, musicians, because the more of our parts we bring, the more of the fullness of Christ we can represent.
1: Amen. That's so true.
0: How would you describe the difference between a spontaneous song and prophetic worship?
1: I think it's probably what we were just talking about before, the Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs yep. from Ephesians 19. So spontaneous worship is in the moment, you feel something, you sing it out. And it's, it really is a new song in yep. that sense of the word. It's something maybe you haven't even heard before, yep. you know, it's until it's coming out of your mouth. Yes. But then a prophetic song is really the song for the moment. Yep. It's like, what is God saying? You could have worked that out the night before or the week yeah, before, yep. you know. Um, it might be a song that you lean over to your your band leader or whoever's playing and say, I feel like we need to change the set list right now. We need to do yep. such and such a song. Mm-hmm. To me, that's being led by the prophetic, the yes. prophetic voice of the Lord, as opposed to just making something up. Making something up sounds like a weird way of saying it. That spontaneous song is really beautiful But it is a skill. Yep. And I think we don't realise that. We think that spontaneous means you just do it. Yep. But I think any musician will tell you that they can only go off the map when they've learnt... The map. Learnt the map, (laughs)
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When they can do the fullness of the map, it opens a new doorway. And this is how God works in every area of our life. Yeah. Whether it's your finance, whether it's your relationships or your gifting. Absolutely. If you steward well what he gives you, he will increase what's on your life. Amen. And open doorways into things like spontaneity and prophetic. Yeah. Uh, in our next podcast, I'm actually speaking with Pastor Joel Field. Oh, who you Oh, know he's love. a legend. Yeah, about prophetic musicianship. <laughs> That's fantastic. But from a worship leader's perspective, Roma, and from all your experience, how can we work together with our mus- musicians to ensure our prophetic worship isn't a train wreck?
1: <laughs> I love that you ask this question. Do you know how many people don't ask these kind of questions? I just love them. <laughs> um, but we
0: want to lead our con- for our congregations to sing out. Yes. And for it not just to be the platform singing out, and that's my heart. Yeah. I don't want just, yes. and that's what's prophesied over our house. Actually, yeah. is not just the platform prophesying, that the usher prophesying, Absolutely. and the person in their row prophesying, and yes. they can do that when we create space of safety where they yes. don't feel exposed. They'll sing out. I mean, how beautiful! So, how can we work with our musicians, practically and spiritually, to create these kind of atmospheres? Yeah,
1: that's they're great questions. I think. I've got four ideas for you that I'll try and say really quickly. The mm-hmm. first one is that, that idea of the congregation singing. I love that. I don't think we do it enough. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when there's too much noise coming off the platform, people actually sing less. Yes. So even just having moments where there's no music, yep. you know, yep. it's just a practical thing. Yep. Or just saying, okay, your turn, you sing out, you know, yep. just getting people to do that um, really helps the congregation feel like that they're, mm-hmm. they're part of the worship yep. team. I think some real practical things in terms of, Worship teams communicating amongst each other. That communication thing is really important, and that only comes from relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's
1: one of our yep. values: is that family, yeah. you know, matters. Family yep. is important, and I think that we don't do family. Um, a lot of churches we don't do family well. Yep. we it's a business. Yeah, you know, we've got our Sunday service, especially the bigger that a church gets, yep. and that's understandable. There's it's understandable why those things have happened because. There's more protocol, there's more things that can go wrong, you know. But we must always come back to that idea of relationship. So if I know Sam or if I know you, you know, I remember one time you asked me to sing out and you didn't even have to ask me, you just looked at me. And I knew what that meant. But six months ago, I wouldn't have known what that meant. It's because we've become friends that I can read Yes, that I can communicate. And I think that that's important across the board with our, our team members is that if we're only seeing them when they turn up on a Sunday, if we're only seeing them when we've got to sit down and talk to them about the stuff, yep. it's never going to happen.
0: Uh, Roma, one of the things I love to say is we can build team on platform but we build family around a table. That's
1: so good. So a team
0: will come together and achieve something and then go home to their separate lives. Yes. A family will not only achieve things together, they'll do the highs and lows, and that happens around a table. And I hear a lot of pastors like, oh, will we make the platform like the table?
1: No. No, you can't.
0: (laughs) You're not. You're really not because that's God's banquet table, not yours. That's good. Wow. So you've got to create your own and invite people to it. Really and good, and not just invite them to achieve a goal with your team. Yes, yeah. yeah. If it's
1: about goals, I do. I mean, I've you know I've been around, um, I've been around that kind of landscape, and it, you just go away feeling lonely, don't you? Yeah. And so that relationship's really important. Yeah. I, I'd say you know rehearsal times. One of the things that really helped us grow in the prophetic exponentially was when we came together for rehearsals. Not all worship teams do rehearsals. I understand that. But if you don't, I would even suggest you make times and go, we're having a rehearsal, but the rehearsal is practicing being spontaneous. Mm -hmm. So you have activations Mm -hmm. around how you actually practice that so that people in the moment can go, I really want to do this. Do you think that's okay? Or what do you think happens when you do this? You can stop and communicate Mm -hmm. and talk and share. So I think that um, having rehearsal times to practice the prophetic Mm -hmm. is we do this with prophetic training. We probably need to do it as worship teams as well. And then finally I would say developing, once this starts to happen, developing some sort of prophetic protocol on a platform. So for example, when we first started doing this, I mean, and, and because we were empowering other people mm-hmm. to do it, it started to be that everybody was doing yep. something spontaneous mm-hmm. and that's all that was going yep. on. And the pastors were like, we're not following you. It's yes. awesome that you're doing this, but you're kind of having your own feasts while we're all watching, <laughs> which yep. is not good. And so we had to start to develop a prophetic protocol. Mm-hmm. So that might be, for example, if someone has a prophetic word, who do they go to on the platform yeah. if they have a prophetic yep. word? You don't need to do that with everyone. Some people, yep. they just, you know, if you're going to to be up singing you're going to probably just do it because you have the authority to do that Um, or if you know um, you might say the band leader might call something out or or that singer or that Mm -hmm. musician goes to the band leader so there needs to be some sort of prophetic protocol because um, you know the spontaneous doesn't mean no order it's right it's just a different type of order yes it's it, you know I heard a guy a pastor in Singapore once said to me God's order comes to mess up our order yes and I'd agree with that I'm like yep. yes so it's a it's not like it's no order you just it's just a different type and that protocol will look different in every church because of the size, the culture, the context of the nation or the city Mm -hmm. that we live in. And so it actually takes a lot of thought to think of those things. And it also, it's probably the later down the track option. You've got to at least get started and it will be messy because you're not going to have a map for it. We've talked about a map a lot today, but I think uh, when I say messy, I don't think that bleeding on the congregation and making mistakes on the congregation is ever an appropriate thing. Yes. I mean messy in terms of your rehearsals, your relationships, how you navigate where you're practicing this. It might even be, okay, guys, we haven't done this for a long time. So we're just going to do it in prayer meetings for now. And we might have some moments in the service until people feel a bit more confident until the Lord messes up our order and says something different, you know. But that protocol does have to come at some point as a prophetic people rises. Across the board, prophetically, there needs to be some sort of protocol, which we've talked about before too.
0: Yep. A couple of comments I've got on what you've just shared there, which is so helpful, is how biblically, and we will talk about this in next week's podcast when we talk about prophetic musicianship. Biblically, there's delegated authority, authority at different times. And the amount of authority we get to exercise is often linked to the authority we place ourselves under. Mm. So if there's a designated worship leader for that weekend, that person's been given spiritual authority. And so yes, there must be a protocol around that God's blessing can't fully be on us stepping out from that authority. Yes, And so there are certain protocols that we do have to so just be really mindful of because it actually means we're covered and we're safe. Yes, It's not about restriction. It's not about rules and no. regulations. It's actually about appropriate freedom yes. and about serving well. So I love that you've talked about that. And I forget what my other thought was. So, <laughs> you know, just let that one go well, through to the keeper. It's actually I don't know what it was. Oh, yeah, you go. Yeah, I was just going to say prophetic people. We see into the future Mm. and we can often be impatient.
1: Yes, yes, And so when you're talking
0: about small bits in a prayer meeting and then small bits in a service, like I can taste and see our culture in 10 years and I want it yesterday. You get frustrated. Right. But the moment we get frustrated even if we're singing or playing truth, it's mm. unpalatable, it's a resounding gong. Yeah. And so one of the tensions of the prophetic is learning to slow down and take as many people with us yes. as we can. There's so much joy in taking people with you rather yes. than running ahead and being a so ranger
1: I 100% agree. I, as you're talking, I often think about the apostolic element of the prophetic that is often missing and this you know there's something powerful about an apostolic prophet a prophet who's a mum or a dad who goes this isn't just about releasing what i see this is also about helping others see what i see and sometimes that means shutting up or doing less yeah and it's frustrating because you Mm -hmm. want to explode yeah and it takes time but if you're willing to go the distance, you're raising up a company of prophets, Love that. not just yourself. Yes, <laughs> which is
0: so important. And it also means maturity in a prophetic gift. Uh, you can prophesy and be immature. Yes. Because you get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes with spiritual gifts. Yes. So you can prophesy and be an immature believer. Being Absolutely. able to prophesy isn't a sign of maturity. Yeah. Galatians 5, spiritual fruit is a sign yes. of maturity.
1: amen. And
0: one of those fruit is self-discipline,
1: which yes. means you don't
0: get your whole bag of tricks out, tip them out on the platform and be yes. like, look what I can bring. Yes.
1: <laughs> We've all seen that. <laughs> oh, haven't
0: we? And it's super awkward. Um, we are so blessed here at Numa that our senior leaders are so empowering of prophetic culture which means they give us grace and space to get it wrong sometimes. And like you said, not bleeding on the congregation. Yes. But actually embracing, we say embrace the awkward, but what I mean by that is I love that. it's okay for things to be uncomfortable because we have a comforter.
1: Yes, that's so good. So what love would you that. say
0: to the worship leader who wants to grow in this space but doesn't serve in an environment where there's room yeah. for failure? Or what about environments where the prophetic's not even welcome? Yeah.
1: Well, look, I'm not going to lie. That's hard. Yeah. It is hard. And I think that you have to uh, firstly ask the hard questions. Are you meant to be there? Yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, and if you do feel that you're meant to be there, because mm-hmm. I don't want to make anyone leave a church, so don't yeah. say after you've listened to this podcast, Roma Especially said I could leave. That's church. not what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 but I'm. I, what I am saying is um, that... Sometimes you feel that dissatisfaction because you're actually not meant to be there, and you're yep. causing problems by yeah. being there. It's the first thing. Good. But secondly, I'd say that the prophetic. I imagine the prophetic like a coat. So if if I wear this coat that I'm wearing now, mm-hmm. this jacket, it looks different on me than it does on you. Yep. it looks different on someone who's a child. It's mm-hmm. going to look huge. Yep. On someone else, it looks different. I think the prophetic looks different in different houses. Good. And the mistake that we make is we try to make the prophetic look like
0: so Bethel yep.
1: or look like,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: someone else who yep. are incredible and we love their music yep. and we use their music. That's, so that's not an attack on that. Yeah. But when it replaces the authenticity of our communities, mm-hmm. that's when we lose the power of the new song. We so lose good. the power of our sound and our song. So I would say there needs to be some thought around, well, what does the prophetic look like here? Mm-hmm. So the prophetic in the Catholic Church down the road or the high Anglican Church down the road is going to look really different than the prophetic at Numa. Yep. And so you, you learn from people, but then... And you don't ever change what the Bible says, Mm -hmm. but you apply it to your own community. So understanding that the prophetic looks different, I think, is very freeing for people. You know, I've had people go, what? So I don't have to do it like you. I'm like, oh, please don't do it like me. It'll be, I don't even know if I do it that well, you know, (laughs) don't try it because then you'll be like the carbon copy and that'll be bad. So um, I'd say just understand having that revelation that the prophetic is different, but also Again, it comes back to home. You have to cultivate the prophetic in your own home. Yep. It's not always about the platform. Actually, it's never about the platform, right. is it? It's not. We keep thinking of the prophetic as being this thing that is on a stage. It was like one of our students yep. said yesterday, we don't need the sage on the stage. Yep. We need the guide on the side. So good. That's such Thank a great you. saying. Yep. And so understanding that the Holy Spirit, this prophetic, this prophetic um, culture, starts at home. You know, I had my son in the car the other day and, you know, we do lots of prophetic activations. He's nine, that he doesn't even know a prophetic activation. Yep. So we're in the car and I said, "Hey, so we've bought a new couch. And he goes, really? What's it like? And I went, hmm. Now, up until this point, I've been looking at all these beautiful cream, linen couches. And then in perfect Roma style, I went to this shop and I saw this velvet <laughs> blue couch and went, that's the one. Like, I'm one of these people that, doesn't really know what I want until I see it. Yep. I know what I don't like. Yep. And so I'm in there and I go, that's the one. So he, I said when we bought a new couch today. And he goes, oh, what colour is it, Mum? So he's got no context. And I said, why don't you close your eyes and just ask the Lord, just for fun. Yeah. Why don't you close it? And thinking he wouldn't get it right, within two seconds he went, Mum, is it blue? Mm-hmm. And I went... How did you know it was blue? (laughs) So we develop this culture at home. We do it with our singing. So I've got recordings of Angel when she was three or four years old in my studio. I know everyone doesn't have a studio, but I'll go, Angel, let's for fun. I'm just going to play the piano and I want you to just make up whatever comes out in your heart. What do you think God wants to sing? So I've got this little tiny voice at three years old singing these beautiful promises of God. So now when she's singing, when she travels with us, she'll often get up and sing a prophetic song. And it's natural to her because we cultivated it at home. So if it's not happening in your services, I would say make it happen in home. In fact, can I quickly share a story of a church in Victoria that did this? So we had a church that were like, um, Roma, our church actually doesn't allow – the prophetic. And this person was a dancer and they said, we don't, we're not allowed to dance Mm. in the service, in the worship. And it just breaks my heart because I see it in other churches and it's amazing. And I said, well, why does it have to be in a service? And her face, she was like, oh, I never thought of that. Mm. I said, well, instead, why don't you just start going to the worship team rehearsals and stand up the back and just dance prophetically while they're practicing their songs? And she said to me, okay, all right, I'm going to do that. Anyway, about six months later, she sends me this email with this image. She goes, Roma, you're not going to believe this, but we started doing this every Monday night. We started going to rehearsals. God started speaking to us. Then she said this one day, the Lord said to us, okay, they're singing and they're prophetically using their voices and their instruments to release the sound of heaven. I want you to put a canvas down, put your feet in the paint, and I want you to paint a work of art Mm -hmm. as they're doing the worship. And she sent me this picture that is now in the foyer of their church of this prophetic painting that their feet created and that led to them starting to dance in church there was a breakthrough that happened and so Mm -hmm. i think we underestimate this the intercessory part Mm -hmm. of releasing that sound and that art and that prophetic away from yes people
0: yeah we've very much put the prophetic to i have to have a microphone in my hand yes which is kind of counter-biblical. It is, you're right. <laughs> and very church culture. Yeah. Sometimes we have to unlearn things, hey? Yeah. That's a beautiful story. I want to, before we close, um, just talk very quickly for a moment about the importance of a word life when yes. it comes to the prophetic. Yes. And you know I'm super passionate about this, Roma. And this is a culture we're building here at Numa. In John 4, where Jesus is speaking with the woman at the well, and he talks about the kind of worship that the Father is seeking, which yeah. means there's a kind of worship he's not seeking.
1: Yes, wow. Not
0: looking for. And he says, the kind I'm looking for is spirit and truth. He doesn't mm, say spirit or truth. So good. And I think that there's been a little bit of a misunderstanding of prophetic worship, yes. that it's kooky, that yes. it's weird and that we should fear it. But if we're actually worshiping in the way the father is seeking, there will be spirit and humor yeah. and truth. And the Amen. ultimate truth is the word of God. Amen. And so we encourage all of our people to not sing emotions because singing an emotion is like a feather duster That's that so might good. tickle people. But we want to sing the sword of the spirit because that cuts Amen. through things in the atmosphere. So as prophetic worshippers, we are holding in perfect tension, spirit and truth, not one at the sake of yes. the other. And this is how we avoid being, becoming those weird people. We are scripturally grounded. So we have our eyes and ears in heaven, but our feet are Amen. very much planted yes. on the word. And so I didn't want us to do a prophetic worship leading Podcast without mentioning the importance Absolutely. of all prophetic word uh, ministry being grounded in the word of God.
1: Amen. I wholeheartedly agree.
0: Yeah. So you've dropped so much gold, Roma. <laughs> so grateful for you.
1: Tell people how can they get your books. Uh, You can go to RomaWaterman.com and you can find the books there in the the resource section. And then there's uh, also a link to our online courses.
0: Yes. And they should do those. Online courses are amazing. Thank you. So thank you, Roma, for being with us. We honor you. And I can't wait to talk to you in a couple of weeks about prophetic art. Can't wait. So thank you for joining us today for this episode of The Prophetic Collective. Next week, we continue our focus on prophetic worship by looking at the prophetic musician. So many prophetics in one sentence. (laughs) You are going to love our guest. He truly is the best of the best. So make sure you don't miss it. Let people know in your world that they can be part of this community. This is season one of this weekly podcast, and we would love it if you would share the love on social media. Tag us at Stacey Hillier and at Roma Waterman, Newma Church, hashtag the Prophetic Collective. Make sure you hit subscribe so you can access these episodes as soon as they are available. Leave us a review as this helps us to get the word out and to build our community. I cannot wait to join you next episode in this little space that we like to call the Prophetic Collective. And so until then, stay cool.